Hey, everybody. Thanks for staying with us into the guest segment of our show. This is Dave Hodges again, and you're listening to The Common Sense Show. And we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. We have a special guest coming to us from El Salvador. And we're going to be talking about what's going on there and what the implications are of what's happening there to what could be happening here inside the United States. But before we join Sam need to let you know we have a couple of groups that make this show possible. They keep the lights on for us. One is the good people with the Alexa Pure Pro water filter. Now the Naval War College says on the fourth and fifth day of a crisis, waterborne illnesses become your biggest challenges. In fact, that's the leading cause of death after the fifth day. Well, we can help you avoid that. This is the best water filter in the business. The research is at the website we're gonna send you to. And you can see it is number one in the industry. And they're also offering the product at 40% off. Go to waterwithdave.com. That's waterwithdave.com. And, of course, if you have water, you also want to have food. And we still have, unlike a lot of companies right now, still producing storable food. They did not sell out to the government, despite the government wanting to do that like so many did. And we have restaurant-quality food, 25-year shelf life. Go to preparewithdave.com. So you have the food, you have the water, waterwithdave.com, food, excuse me, preparewithdave.com. And now we have Sam Arnold coming to us from El Salvador. Sam, I got your note in uh, email form oh, a few days ago, and I, I think right away recognized what we're doing. Uh, you've got the president sending troops and equipment to the border. And uh, um, we've, you're in quarantine there. Let, let's piece it all together. Tell us what's going on inside El Salvador. All right. First of all, I'm broadcasting from Mexico, but being in Latin America, I do get my finger on the pulse right. a lot okay. better. You, you hear rumors, and there's news that comes out in the, on the Spanish channels, so I keep a lot better abreast of the buzz that's going on. But... The big news is that this president, who's an allied president and very level-headed, uh, you know, the preachers can talk all they want about World War III, and the commentators can talk all they want, but for an allied president who's level-headed to come out and say World War III has begun, this is something that America and the world should really take notice of. And everyone's looking at the coronavirus situation and trying to make heads or tails of it. And, and we really want to know because now it's affecting every person. The kids are out of school. You can't go anywhere. The shelves are bare here and there, even in America. And as we're looking at the situation, it's very, it's prescient. It is of great import that this president has come out and said World War III has begun. And so I just want to begin to look at the coronavirus from a different perspective, that this is the distance weapon of our era. It's not archers anymore. It's not cannonballs anymore. It's not even Navy ships and airplanes anymore. These pathogens are the distance weapons of our age, and they are being employed as a part of World War III, in the words of President Bukele. Okay, well, let's break it down. Uh, what uh, I understand what you're saying. This is a long-range weapon. Um, who's employing it? Why? And how is it being used as a weapon? Although I can pretty well guess. I'd just like to hear you say it. 
those are the questions that we don't know exactly. I mean, we know this war is East versus West. We know that it's the old world versus the new world. We know that China is the main bad guy, and I'd really like to get into Russia some because Russia moved a lot of chess pieces over the weekend pertaining to Venezuela, pertaining to their foothold in the Americas and the, the oil war, the petro war. So I'd really like to talk about Russia and what they've been doing. But China, China, China is the bad guy. And of course, I see China as a puppet of European interests. I see it as an, an experiment that was done by globalist interests. I see the Pope as being behind all of that. I see the King of Spain and his diplomacy in one Spanish-speaking nation after another as uh, further evidence that this is the same conquest that started in 1492. It's the same 500-year battle where the old world wants global domination, and all the nations of the Americas followed our lead in 1776. They all threw out their, their European overlords. They all uh, busted the clergy class down to being subject to civilian law, outlawed the Jesuit order. And so that's the battle that's still going on today. And if we don't see that, then uh, it's so easy as an American, Dave, to just have our head in the sand and to, and to see only our nation when really we need to look at our hemispheres, the, the free hemisphere. And that's the battle. So, yes, China. China's the bad guy. That's for sure. What would you say if I told you I know someone connected to the Trump administration, not in it, but connected to it, and they're telling me that as we have a deep state, China has a deep state, and what's going on is the result of the Chinese deep state, not Xi, who's trying to align with Trump. What would you think about that? I would be more inclined to believe that pertaining to Russia uh, I kind I have heard rumors, Dave, about that China's on the edge of revolt. They're on the edge of riots. They can't control their population. They can't support or feed their population, and that it is a top-heavy empire that is ripe for collapse. I've heard that, and uh, it's a it's a legitimate argument. It's a reasonable argument. I don't personally believe that, and here are a few reasons why. One, I've watched the decline of the church. Uh, I know Bob Fu. I've met him. I've followed his ministry. And uh, really, all of what is happening both above board and underground in China, and uh, I'm not impressed. I believe that the Chinese Communist government has been extremely effective at stamping out dissent. I believe that the last real burst of light out of the underground church was in the 80s and the early 80s at that, and that it's been very effective, their campaign of, of crushing true Christianity there. I think that uh, those groundswells towards freedom and a free government are so much stronger in the Americas. These are the nations that have tasted freedom at one time. Uh, I see even Taiwan... Uh, and Hong Kong as points of light, but uh, Hong Kong especially as a place that's doomed. I don't see the Hong Kong protests as being successful, nor uh, the protests in, uh, in France, the Yellow Vests. 
these, this is the frog in the pot, and what I wrote on my blog on subscribestar.com slash gospel gunslingers, as I have chronicled the different protests around the world as they happen, I said, this is frog is not in a pot. This frog is in a pressure cooker, because the entire prison system around it has been built up to such a point where the possibility of escape is virtually nothing. Now, as I say that, uh, the virus has struck very hard, especially in Spain, where there is this king, Philip VI, Felipe VI, that has just crushed all opposition, and now his nation is very sorely hit by the coronavirus, even entered into the palace. And so maybe there's a little hope for revolutionary movements in the old world. Um, they're a lot longer of a shot than what we have in the new world. Yeah, I agree. You, you said that you would believe maybe something associated with deep state in Russia. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Uh, first of all, I was very confused when it was Russia who began the petroleum war, when they refused to cut output along with Saudi Arabia. And I thought, why are they doing this? First of all, they've been a good partner in OPEC for a long, long time. Their energy sector is their bread and butter. They really heat all of Europe. They've got underground gas pipelines, Nord Stream and others. They go even under the seas to get their natural gas to Europe. And I was confused why they would make a move that was so damaging to the petroleum markets of the world, and especially of Venezuela, where they're the visible partner. Even though Venezuela owes a lot more money to China, and China's very involved there, probably more involved there, Russia's been more visible. They sent their black swan bombers to Venezuela. They send their frigates in to visit, and the Chinese government has not been that open. And so for Russia to initiate this petrol war, and I mean, this has only been the last couple of weeks, I was really shocked and thought, this is going to collapse Venezuela, and that's what they're trying to prop up. But here's the deal. Uh, I suspect that some back-channel back deals have been made. Maybe Trump and Putin talked, and Trump said, look, I'm going to hammer this out with China, but I, I want for Russia to leave out of Venezuela so that we're not meeting it nose-to-nose and head-to-head. Look, the BRICS experiment has failed. We're going in a new direction. Uh, You defend your homeland. You continue your energy exports. But we're going to sanction Rosneft if you can continue with your activities in Venezuela. And I think that Putin just backed off and said, you know what, okay, I'll do that. I think Putin resents Z edging in on him also. I think China is trying to subjugate Russia and Russia doesn't like that. For a long time, they were uh, they got along because they have so much ideologically in common. Uh, they have communism in common. They have their their Eastern Bloc strategies, militarily, economically, for decades in common. But Russia does not like being told what to do. So there's a lot going on with Russia pulling out. And just Saturday, okay, today's Monday, Saturday. 48 hours ago, Russia, Rosneft, the Russian state-owned oil company, sold out all their assets in Venezuela. Uh, just in a moment. 
Now, they went to another state-owned company uh, owned by Russia, but the fact is Rosneft has pulled out. And there's a lot of talk, there's, there's chitter-chatter on the Internet and, and in news about, oh, uh, was this good for Maduro or was it bad for Maduro? Because the sale was made to another Russian company, then Putin could still back Maduro in the very same way. And I just want to end that with one very clear statement. Three super tankers holding together 5.7 million barrels of oil, capacity-wise, left empty out of the Caribbean the very same day, on Saturday, 48 hours ago. And so Rosneft selling out their assets and leaving Venezuela, Putin is leaving Maduro high and dry. And so that's where I see the revolt against globalism, is Russia leaving it. And I'm not a Russophile. I, you know, I grew up with Russia being the enemy both literally and proverbially, and I still feel that way largely to this day. So for me to say that Putin has pulled out and left Maduro high and dry, I'm, I'm shocked. But that's what I have to report. Yeah, we should mention, too, for members of the audience that don't really understand the BRICS comment that you made or the reference is that uh, it was Russia leading the way, Russia, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa had formed a coalition to buy Iranian oil in gold and bypassing the petrodollar, which gives us in the United States our only backing for our dollar. And so that is a significant move, and it's left Maduro open for invasion. Do you not agree with that? Yes, uh, because Maduro was the plan B. Brazil's government was socialist for a long, long time. The election of Bolsonaro was an upset victory that shocked the world. And this is where I'm seeing the hand of God work again and again and again. And this is part of the message that I'm trying to get out with the Gospel Gunslingers, Dave, is that we have a chance to stand and fight. I, I like to get in and see what the Bible says about the end times versus some of the doctrines that have become beloved and that so many believers have become wedded to, uh, along with being welded to their couch, I, I see that we have a chance to be free. I see that we have a centuries-old history of victory over our oppressors and golden ages on the other side of getting rid of them, draining our swamps, and getting rid of our deep state. And so that's why uh, I'm out here sounding the alarm on this, and uh, we just have a chance right now, and that's the message I want to get out, Dave. Well, it's interesting, that because uh, Maduro would collapse a big portion of the drug empire, as I understand it, too. Um, and maybe from a globalist perspective, that'll just result in a consolidation, but it is a major sea chain. I want to explore another line of thinking, let you comment on this as well, too. Um, and, and, and I happen to agree with this one. It has to do with Colombia. When Trump ill-advisedly on the surface brought in John Bolton, a globalist, globalist, a man who never met a war he didn't like, he finagles troops to go into Colombia, works that deal, and the presumption was, oh, man, we're going to invade Venezuela, which is Colombia's neighbor, and Venezuela rushed troops to the border in response to that. But it looked like Trump really had, that was not his intention. He fires Bolton. Looks like he only used him to get the troops in there. 
And it's been suggested to me by people in the military that that is a key strategic position for U.S. troops if there's ever a red dawn kind of invasion because it could prevent South America from linking up with Central America. Can you comment on that, please? Yes. Okay. Uh, you brought up a lot of good points. I'll try not to forget them all. Uh, and you might just get me excited here, Dave. Okay. okay. If you walk, if you walk across the Panamanian Isthmus, which there's a 40 mile stretch called the Darien Gap right, that's not right. paved, the only country that connects the Panamanian Isthmus to South America is Colombia. Mm-hmm. So Colombia controls that border. And it is a key ally. Colombia is a key ally for many, 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 many reasons. And the president of Colombia, and if anyone's interested on some more depth, just search Gospel Gunslingers on any engine. It will go to my YouTube, and it will go to my subscribe star and my Twitter account. And on all three of those, I document the, the crises as they come. And I've talked about, for example, Ivan Duque, the president of Colombia. So where you brought up John Bolton, and I gave him the benefit of the doubt, you know, the president appointed him, and I said, you know, there's a time for hired guns. There's a time to hire a gunfighter. Mm-hmm. And so I gave him the benefit of the doubt at the moment. I, I, I hate that mustache, though. It's just so iconically <laughs> bad. It's, it's a blast from, I don't know, deep in the 70s. <laughs> I don't like Bolton. I I gave him the benefit of the doubt, but I think you're right that he's just a warmonger. And here's the deal. The deep state wants to get in and and to wreck the Venezuelan recovery. So just to make uh, the point very quickly, since President Nayib Bukele of El Salvador made the tweet, which was eight days ago, where he said World War III has begun in English and Spanish, he came out last night and tweeted, these health organizations are interested in the death of as many people as possible. Now, I put up my reply to that and talked about some things that have happened in Africa, the United Nations, the World Health Organization, and even the Red Cross, which I personally witnessed when I was captive in the Zapatista guerrilla camp in the 1990s. The Red Cross was backing that movement along with the Catholic Church and the European Union. So I was there. I saw their tent and ate beans and a, and a jalapeno pepper in the Red Cross tent mm-hmm. as they were supporting this treasonous movement. So Let uh, me interrupt you just for a second here. I just want to be sure. Jump in. You're talking about the World Health Organization. Would you also be including the CDC as a result? I feel the same about the CDC. Okay, exactly. So you do know, I. Okay, uh, thank you for clarifying that. Yes, and I still want to know uh, about the doctor from the CDC who was beginning to expose vaccine safety issues who disappeared Yes, uh, two years ago, and nobody wants to talk about that. And now Jerome Adams is coming out and uh, trying to be the voice of reason and civility and authority in this whole situation. And this is where the deep state is rearing its head. And these are the people that we can't trust. They would vaccinate everybody a hundred times if we gave them the chance and they'd turn us all into zombies. By the way, there's a new hashtag trending blue ball, plague, because mm-hmm. it's just come out that the coronavirus attacks 
male testicles. Yes, I've seen that. In addition to mm-hmm. lung tissue, heart tissue, and leaves permanent damage. So this is a sterility weapon, and we really need to get the word out. So everybody hashtag blue ball neck plague, and let's let, let's use a little bit of a joke to get it into people's minds. You know, uh, for especially for the younger generation, you know, they, they didn't grow up uh, doing karate fights and fist fights like you did. And I'm kind of the last uh, of that generation. You're a little older than I am, Dave. But, you know, this generation that's young people today, the whole idea of death is so foreign to them. But the idea of becoming sterile and losing their family jewels and not being able to have children when they uh, finally get around to growing up and settling down, is a frightful thing, and I think that we should really push that. Look, this is a sterility weapon. So uh, let's continue here with Colombia mm-hmm. and the the rats in the nest, because Trump wants to go in and make Venezuela free. The nations of Central America and South America have agreed and begged for the U.S. to come in and face down the superpowers so that they can restore the democratic order. And for an American, uh, you know, that may seem far away, but here's the deal. This Venezuelan crisis was able to put a million, a million, a million, a million refugees into all their neighboring countries to basically collapse them and cause the presidents to have to flee the capital, for example, in Ecuador. When they can put a million people on the street to riot and burn things and to demand communism now, in five different nations at the same time, that is a concern that every, every American should be concerned about. And yes, we're trying to plug that in Colombia and in Central America, and that's why Naib Bukele is such an important ally, because we are, we're taking a staged approach with multiple defensive bulwarks to prevent the Red Dawn invasion, because, Dave, you've been right all these years, it is imminent. They're coming. They've intended this from the very beginning. So the president of Colombia is Ivan Duque. And when he won the election, I did a video called Ivan Duque, President-Elect of Colombia, Rhino, R-I-N-O, question mark. Is this guy a Republican in name only? And I talked a little bit about his Jesuit training, uh, his Georgetown University education, his background in international banking, And then here he becomes the president. So while he is taking all of this U.S. money, millions and millions to feed Venezuelan refugees, massive security money uh, injections, massive drug trafficking money injections, while he's receiving all of that, he's also making deals with the Chinese to make railroads and things like that. And, of course, you've done a really good job of telling how when they build a railroad, they bring in their own workers. When they build a port, they bring in their own workers. They bring in control. They bring in debt bondage. They bring in so many tricks to take over and so much manpower to take over that those deals need to not be made. And now we've had some voices in our government in the State Department, Pompeo, for example, talking about debt bondage and how Chinese... Uh, investment deals generally are not of benefit to the host country. They're of benefit to China. And so the fact that Ivan Duque is receiving billions from China on infrastructure projects while he is really the tip of the spear for American power projection 
into South America should cause people to wonder. So, yeah, I don't like Bolton. I don't like the president of Colombia either. And we've got a lot of people like that that are playing both sides of the deal. That makes a lot of sense. But but I do do you agree with me that Colombia is indeed a stumbling point for the uh, joining of South and Central American forces, military forces? Yes. Panama's communist. Costa Rica's communist. Nicaragua. Nicaragua's communist. Excellent. That's three in a row that will let the Chinese get away with bloody murder and come in and land ships with whatever they want and have been doing that for a long, long time. Yes, they have. Even... Even in the free governments, or or the ones that we've very recently taken back with conservative presidencies and so forth, those need to be fortified right now, and the president's working on that very hard. So yeah, Colombia is of great, great, great importance. We need to not just consider it to be the staunch ally, and and, and a lot of people see it that way. A lot of people see that Colombia is always going to be in the U.S. orbit, but they are playing both sides. The president is playing both sides. And it's only been three years since they had the historic accord where the FARC agreed to lay down their arms. And here's the deal. The FARC, which is the drug traffickers and the, the guerrilla fighters uh, and the drug growers that control huge swaths of territory inside of Colombia and also inside Venezuela and have connections to the corrupt Venezuelan regime, the FARC has a third of the seats in Congress now and so the 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 heralded peace agreement was really a a deal with the devil and this also happened the same thing in el salvador Uh, their communist army is uh, frente marabundo liberation national so it's f m uh l n f m n f m l n i follow them on twitter and the, the former president, up until last year, Sanchez Seren, grew up as a guerrilla fighter with the Frente Marabundo. And so then they reinvented themselves as a political party, and then they took the presidency, and here's this guerrilla fighter who's coming to Washington, meeting with Pence, and, you know, uh, not taking anything seriously, but fronting up for the entire government. And this is the deception that all communist armies have. When I was captive in the Zapatista headquarters in the south of Mexico in the 1990s, I was in there with a journalist, and uh, he wasn't combat trained or anything, and I said, uh, we're going to escape. And he says, how are we going to escape? And I said, well, all these communist armies have a military arm and a political arm, and they have decided that we're valuable as a political bargaining chip, so they're going to turn us over to the political side of the Zapatista army. They're going to drive us into the capital tomorrow. And once we're there and there's nobody with guns around, then we'll make our escape right out onto the street. (laughs) And there's going to be Mexican police and military there so we can shout for help if we need help. And you know what? It worked. So uh, the average American needs to know that there's a constant deception going on. There is a military side and there's a political side to all of these communist infiltrations. Antifa is the same way. See, they're a militarized side. And then on the other side, you have 
political organizations. We want socialism. We want to be nice. We just believe in Bernie. We believe in Yang's economic approach. And then over here on the other side, there are agitators that are disposed to use violence and trained to use violence. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Along the lines of military roadblocks to a Red Dawn invasion, is this why Trump concentrated so heavily to recruit and and possibly convert the president of El Salvador because he too would provide a, a, a roadblock to get around as far as a Red Dawn invasion goes? Yes, and the president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele, is really the newcomer to the party. Uh, there's also uh, Honduras and Guatemala. Guatemala is far larger, and then Belize is off to the edge, kind of uh, a separate issue. Now, they don't block the isthmus. The other nations, Guatemala blocks the isthmus, and Honduras blocks the isthmus. And El Salvador, they call themselves the Pulgarcito, the little thumb of Central America. Really, for a lot of our lives, they've been the armpit of it. And, and uh, I'm not throwing any rocks, just everyone's known that it wasn't safe, that it was ridden with crime, that the communists had taken over and wrecked the place. And then Hillary and Bill Clinton sent uh, untold numbers of uh, deportees right straight out of the prison system with everything that they'd learned from the Mexican mafia in the California and Arizona pens. They sent them right down there in the, in the 1990s. And then, of course, uh, they, they linked right up with the communist government, made it into a kleptocracy. So that little thumb of Central America is becoming a very, very valuable ally. And I'm going to come back to that and name some names. In fact, let's just do that right now. Okay. Some of your work has talked about General Terrence O'Shaughnessy and how he's moving his command from Peterson Air Force Base into the Cheyenne Mountain bunker in Colorado, supposedly for fear of the coronavirus and that the virus would spread amongst the military command, which includes NORAD, the, the U.S. and Canadian joint air defense outfit that patrols and turns the Russians away and watches for ballistic missiles and many other things. Terrence O'Shaughnessy is the head not only of NORAD, but of NORTHCOM. Now, NORTHCOM is the combined command for all of our military, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and probably the Coast Guard, too, from Mexico, the United States, and Canada, and to the north and to the Arctic. From the Canadian, excuse me, from the Mexican-Guatemala border south to Antarctica is SOUTHCOM. And the commander of SOUTHCOM is Admiral Craig Fowler. And here's the deal, Dave. These two guys are cousins. They're cousins by blood. And they're both about 1986 graduates of military academies from different services. So General O'Shaughnessy went through the Air Force. He went to the Air Force Academy and graduated in 1986. Then... Craig Fowler went into the Navy, went to the Naval Academy, and graduated about the same time. And we need to remember, so many Christians, Dave, are like, oh, this is the end. It's doom. It's over. We're going to get into the bunker, and we're going to kiss our butt goodbye. I just don't like that. It's not the way that I see our American history, and it's not the way that I see the future of the Bible uh, b uh, biblically. 
And I just uh, challenge every listener to look to the Bible in a new way, to look at it as a book of hope about how to win wars, how to defeat oppression, how to drain swamps, how to cut down groves of idol worship and temple prostitution, because it happened again and again and again in the Bible. And that's our handbook that America was built on. One thing I want to come back to is the whole idea that America is the, the root of everything wicked, because there's a, a, a big mouth preacher that's doing a lot of smack talk right now, and he's in the news today. I think he even made the drudge. But let's come back to that. These Who, two, who's that? Who's that preacher? Oh, you want me to name names? I, I do. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Rodney Howard Brown. Oh, 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 my, 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 my. I have good friends in my side of the microphone who have completely distanced themselves from him because of his radical views. Good. Well, um, I did an article. It's on my Subscribestar, subscribestar.com slash gospel gunslingers that tells all about my personal 27-year history with Rodney Howard Brown and the things that I have watched him destroy and the legitimate moves of God that he's always been on the side of uprooting. So time would prohibit us from getting into the nitty-gritty on that today, but I, I'll just say that he's an insurrectionist. He hates America. You know, I, I, I wrote an expose two years ago, and I said, you know, his Killing Uncle Sam co-author, Paul L. Williams, uh, is a Jesuit, and he teaches at the University of Scranton, which is a Jesuit teaching college in one of the 28 member colleges of the United States Association of Jesuit Colleges and Universities. And, you know, these, but Georgetown's another one, the, the university that sues everybody, and they try to train judges and put them in the pipeline. I wish Americans would realize they'd ever been to Central and South America and seen the effects of the European conquest, which those were papal wars that France, Spain, and Portugal fronted up, but they took priests, friars with them. They conquered the name of the sword and the cross. They used rape as a weapon and genocide. It's totally different from our American experiment of the pilgrims in 1620. And those two experiments are complete polar opposites. So Paul L. Williams teaches at the University of Scranton in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, during this two-year period, between when Rodney Howard Brown came out and said, oh, there's an, a, a plot to assassinate Trump. And, of course, he was trying to get all the good guys, you know, those of us that love America and may know some karate and know how to shoot. He was trying to get all of us to flood into the streets and to shoot first and to initiate a shooting war. When we are having great success in penetrating the swamp with a preparation to drain the swamp, not only in the United States, but with our foreign enemies uh, in the world. And that's happening so much right now. And so Rodney Howard Brown is this insurrectionist. He's a subversive that wants to get uh, reasonable, level-headed, God-loving Americans out into the streets, pulling the trigger before the appointed time. And we have a right to do that. But here's the deal, Dave. We need to remember that Trump did not think up the idea of being president. He was approached by the military 
He was approached by the military, and the military leaders, shadowy leaders, patriots, came to him and said, uh, look, we're ready to go into Washington with tanks and topple Obama and Hillary's illegal, unconstitutional, treasonous government and uh, dismantle their ties to China and their treacherous uranium deals and everything else. But what we would rather do is for you to run for president. And then Trump went in with some military assistance to help cut down voter fraud and things like that. And they said, look, you just go out and be a patriot and be an American, and we'll try to at least get the playing field a little more level. And so now we have these two four-star generals, General Terrence O'Shaughnessy and... Craig Fowler, Admiral Craig Fowler, who are literally cousins. And during Trump's presidency, they have risen to the very top of their game where O'Shaughnessy commands NORTHCOM and Fowler commands SOUTHCOM. And they've been in these posts for a couple years where they could really consolidate our allies, run sub-hunting exercises in the Atlantic and Pacific with all of the Latin American allies, et cetera, et cetera. And now everyone is in position, and O'Shaughnessy is himself going into the Cheyenne Mountain bunker. So this is why it's so important to not listen to Rodney Howard Brown right now. You know, his, uh, his whole church model is going down. If people can't gather, his whole economic model is going down. Now, a lot of people's economic model is going down. That but what that means, what that means is that we can rebuild it from zero from okay well i'm going to knock on the door of one neighbor and i'm going to shit i'm going to give them my other radio and that's going to be my wingman as we keep peace and security and advance prosperity and then you know pretty soon you can trade trade take him onions and get a few potatoes you can trade shifts he takes a watch you take a watch uh you help one another with your families etc And then pretty soon you build a community from the ground up. But this church model that we've got, it's a fallen model. And uh, we need to get back to the first century church, small groups, home groups. Uh, I was reading that the phone call is coming back into vogue, calling people on the telephone and talking to them for a while. So thank God for that. We are reestablishing relationships that have have become completely plastic over the years by technology and by love growing cold and by these enormous churches that really are built in the image of Rome. They're built in a, in a pyramid style. And if anybody's interested in getting back to the first century church, I follow uh, the last reformation, the last reformation.com Torben Sondergaard from Denmark started a worldwide revival, got thrown out of his nation because of it. And now you read that Denmark is one of the worst smitten places with the coronavirus after they threw him out for having an effect worldwide. He does a lot of teaching on how to come out of the the church systems of this world, which are are Roman in nature and follow the Catholic church model. Yeah, let's just be honest here. It's the Jesuits, right? There you go. There you go. I mean, listen, uh, and I'm not impugning followers of Christ by any means 
but uh, I've talked to enough people that when you look at the Cal Exit movement, when you look at the communist Chinese ties into the Democratic Party in California, the Jesuits have a hand in every single piece of it. So when the whole pedophile trial of Pennsylvania, nearly a thousand credibly accused, many of them with multiple, multiple credible accusers, when that whole trial broke open, just in the last two years, since somebody asked me about Rodney Howard Brown and Paul L. Williams and his book, Killing Uncle Sam, when, since that I was asked about that, the whole pedophile trial came, and that tidal wave washed right to the doors of the University of Scranton. But here's the deal. Being Jesuit, the records for the University of Scranton are kept separate from the other three archdioceses, which had uh, released their records to law enforcement. And even though the records of Scranton University were not open, still three priests from Scranton University were implicated in that whole deal. And God only knows how many would be implicated if the separate Jesuit records of that university were brought forth. So this is who's co-authoring Rodney Howard's flagship book that's for sale on InfoWars and other places. And I love Alex and these people, but they didn't grow up like I did uh, in Charismatica, in the casting out of devils, studying at the feet of Oral Roberts and, and other people that moved in the spirit and cast devils out with shrieks and healed many, many sick and contended with the demonic. And so this is my world. And I tell all about it very concisely on my blog on subscribestar.com slash gospel gunslingers. And it's fresh today what answer you can give when you hear about Rodney Howard Brown saying, oh, no, we're going to revolt because the seat of the, and of course, here's the implication that the seat of Satan is Washington, D.C., that Washington and the establishment of America is not the bastion of freedom worldwide. It's not the wilderness where the eagle took the woman to hide from the face of the dragon. I have a whole hour teaching on that. You know, so many people say America doesn't even appear in the Bible. I disagree with that. But then in the same breath, they'll say America doesn't even appear in the Bible, but it's the great whore of Babylon, and it's the great harlot. Okay, well, is it or isn't it? Well, let's get down to some brass tacks and really look at what the Bible says. Before you go, before you go down that road, I don't want to leave Rodney Brown too quickly here, Rick. I had one conversation with him where a mutual acquaintance had us talk on the phone, and my impression at that time, he really had it together. And this might have been about six years ago, and and uh, you know, and he seemed like a good man of God, loyal American. Um, where did it all go wrong in your opinion? Well, it went wrong uh, a lot further back than that. Here's the deal. The guy's an infiltrator, and infiltrators always look good. They know how to emulate what they're trying to adjoin themselves to. Okay. And he's very skilled at that. And uh, this is where I've gone in and said, okay, this movement. And a, a YouTube that I shot uh, – yearbook pictures going all the way back into the 90s and beyond where his Wikipedia history began at the time. Now he's gone in and filled that in a little bit <laughs> because he was caught in the act. He came to America to cause trouble. He's been causing trouble. He's a shame on his nation. 
you know, All South right. Africa is a wonderful right. place, really. What I'm going to have to do, though, just in the interest of fairness, though, and I'm not doubting what you're saying, and I know you're sincerely expressing your opinions, beliefs, and what you found from your research, but I'm going to have to reach out to him and let him come on and, and answer some of these allegations because he is a major figure. Um, and I'm not doubting what you're saying. I'm just, um, like I said, I'm kind of the man caught in the middle trying to decide which way to look. Uh, but it's interesting that you would pinpoint him. Uh, that crazy reverend, I can't remember his name now, um, that Obama used to go to his church. Um, right. Jeremiah Wright. There you go. Thank you. You had no trouble convincing me there. <laughs> the, the things that have come out of his mouth publicly are so anti-American. He may as well have lived in Cuba. But um, or, or communist China, but you know, with this, I'm going to have to look into it, and I'm not doubting you. I'm just saying that, wow, it, it, it's such a departure from my initial reaction. But you're not the only one to have that reaction, and I want to make that really clear. There are other people who have reacted the same way that you have. We're going to have a decision to make here in terms of where we go and what we cover, because we got uh, about four and a half minutes left in this segment. Um, and on some of our, one of our uh, networks, we're on for three hours continuous, no big deal. And on our flagship, we're on an hour a day. So we have to decide here, do we want to wrap this up in four minutes or do you want to hold over and we'll continue into what would be hour number two on one and a second day on another? Uh, let's bring it to a, a closing point in the next four minutes. And then uh, I'm perfectly happy to go another hour. We certainly have plenty of information to get into. And uh, in that case, I'd like to just say one more thing about Rodney Howard Brown. The thing that is indefensible is the Paul L. Williams connection. And now that the Pennsylvania scandal has broken wide open sky high, it is absolutely indefensible. And we need to remember that even Carol Quigley, who wrote the Anglo-American establishment, was a Jesuit professor at Georgetown University and always concealed the hand of Rome. And so a a lot of people just believe that all the troublemakers have been in the U.S. and have been in America, have been in the U.S. and have been in America, when I believe, and these teachings are right there on my YouTube under the Good Preaching playlist about the Anglo-American establishment and how England, the English Empire and the American Empire do figure very heavily in the Bible and that they are prophesied from even from the book of Genesis, and that these are the bastions of freedom. And so those have to be maligned. And the bottom line, Dave, is do you love America or do you love communism and popery? It's one or the other, because the Pope said that China is the number one example of how a gov- Christianity should be implemented by a government just one year ago before all these wars and scandals he did. broke yeah. open into the public right. mind. You're correct. It's You're, one or the uh, other. Yeah, well, he's a globalist, to- totally. There's no no question about that. Um, when we do the um, second day or second hour, depending on how people are listening to us, um, one of the things I really want to get into is El Salvador and what's going on inside the country and why. Because I see things that are inconsistent. And uh, so I'm going to plant that seed in your mind. But I want to I want to just come back and, and ask you one concluding question. Um, we got about uh, two minutes here to wrap up. What's the number one threat to Americans today? 
and and it's not the coronavirus. I know that. Right. There is war behind the coronavirus. The coronavirus is a red cape. The coronavirus is dangerous of itself. But just understand, this is war. If if you were walking through the woods in the 1700s in New England, America, and an arrow went flying by, your focus is not on that arrow. Your focus is on there could be a hundred enemies with muskets and tomahawks and maybe canyon cannons, maybe cavalry. God only knows what could be hiding in the woods. And so the coronavirus is one arrow passing by and making a close shave or maybe killing an anonymous henchman, you know, the guy in the story that's just brought in to, to be killed. That's what the coronavirus is. It is a shot across the bow. It is the first shot heard around the world. It is our first indication that global war is upon us. And now I could come in and fill in some of the background of what has happened in the last two years of global war, and that would be fantastic to get into in the next hour. And El Salvador is a key ally. And the bottom line is the president is a Christian. He left his heritage and patrimony. He's a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's really trying to do everything right. Well, when we look at that, I have written on this topic before about why El Salvador strategically was in the right place at the right time for America, which also explains why we've changed a lot of the border design with the border fence one that repels light infantry and not one that's 30 feet high that you can knock down with a cannon shell. And it goes hand in hand with our thinking in El Salvador as well, too. Well, I want you to just uh, sit tight for a few minutes here and uh, we'll reconnect uh, as we either broach into hour number two for our listeners or day number two to run successively on KYAH. Stay tuned, everybody. Sam, sit tight. I'll be right back with you in a few minutes. You bet.